0: You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business
1: sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I tell you what. Over the last week or so, I've been having a lot of fun interacting on Twitter. i put out a couple Twitter conversations that people have really been engaging with, and it's probably going to lead to a future topic or two for the podcast. One was about grading and why people grade, and what about grading do people feel makes the card more valuable. And then most recently, I put out a poll that was talking about in the sports card world, if you could own a company in the sports card world... What type of company would you own? A supplier company, a manufacturer, um, Beckett, and there's some pretty interesting responses to that poll, and the reasoning that people were giving was pretty interesting, so I had a lot of fun going through that and engaging with all of you guys on, on Twitter this last week, and that will probably turn into a future podcast episode. Well, today's episode was a lot of fun for me to record. And it is an interview with Jesse Carey, who is an author and a podcaster that I've been reading for probably 10 years or more. And I knew he was a big sports fan, but I wasn't really sure how uh, much of a background he had in sports cards. And we had been chatting offline and we kind of. I guess I learned a few things that, that said this could be a, a fun interview and an interesting perspective that we don't often hear. And so Jesse was an avid collector when he was younger, still loves sports, still thinks very fondly on those days of collecting when he was younger, but isn't actively collecting today. And so the conversation, we kind of go here, we kind of go there and, and just kind of... uh talk about his his memories of of collecting when he was younger and I, I think it's an interesting perspective that I enjoyed hearing and I hope you do too well we've talked before about how there are a ton of new and returning collectors in the hobby and as we'll find out in the interview Jesse is not yet returned to the hobby but there's a lot of other people who are and one of the things that everyone who's coming back to the hobby or getting in for the first time needs to do is to learn a little bit. And one of the great ways to do that is through different collecting groups, whether that is on um, a forum, on Facebook, or whatever. Um, I've been talking about underdogs and the breaks that they do and the, the price point that they've got for new and returning collectors. But one of the other benefits that the underdogs have is a pretty avid Facebook group. And there's a lot of collectors there who are helping new and returning collectors Learn about what's going on. Learn about what these different sets are that are being broken and some other strategies that they can use to collect affordably and get back up to speed on this fun but sometimes confusing hobby. And so as my plug for underdogs this week is not about the breaks this week, but is about their group on Facebook, and I would encourage you to join that. You can go to Facebook, search for underdogs, and I think you'll be glad that you found them. I think you'll be glad that you point some of your friends to checking out both their breaks and their Facebook group, and so remember, always bet on the underdog.
0: In my opinion, our guest today, Jesse Carey, is one of the most engaging personalities in podcasting. He's a journalist, he's a podcaster, he's been a part of the Relevant podcast for over a decade, and he's also an avid sports fan who co-hosted another podcast with former Bears linebacker Sam Acho. Jesse, welcome to the show.
2: Mike, thanks, man. Very, very uh, uh flattering intro there. Yeah. I have to have people make
0: sure that they've got a feel for for who it is that we're dealing <laughs> with today. I brought Jesse onto the show to talk a little bit about card collecting, similar to what we've done with some other guests. Jesse brings a little bit of a unique perspective that we haven't heard from yet on the show. And so I think you guys will enjoy the conversation. Jesse, let's start a little bit by, you know, just getting to know you a little bit more. What sports teams
2: are you a fan of? So uh, I kind of have an eclectic mix of sports teams, um, some good, some terrible, uh, objectively. I, uh, I live in Virginia Beach, and so, you know, it's, it's a weird area for sports because we don't really have like a regional team, right? And so the closest we have is D.C. That's kind of what we claim because it's kind of in Virginia. And so, um, you know, but I was never like a, a fan of now the Washington football team. Um, but when the, Washington, when, when the Expos moved to, uh, to D.C. back in the day, um, I kind of shifted my allegiance to them because I was like sort of a Baltimore uh, fan because that was sort of the closest regional team we had. But so for baseball, the other thing that sealed the deal with the Nats for me um, was their first draft pick as the, as the Washington Nationals organization. So when they switched over from the Expos to the Nats was Ryan Zimmerman who is from Virginia Beach from my hometown went to UVA and you know and he actually just won last year a world series with the Nats. So I'm pretty hardcore Nats fan. I try to go a couple games a year. Uh, on the football side, my dad is a big Steelers fan. And my dad's a fan of like the, of the the great teams that were cool like in the 70s. So he loves the Celtics, the Steelers, you know, kind of those teams. Sure. But I was never I I didn't really have a like a team I loved football. Um, but I married into, when I started dating my wife, I was only like 19 and her family bleeds green. Like they love she's from New York and they love the New York Jets, which it's, it's a very difficult time <laughs> to be a yep. New York Jets fan. Yep. We, had a, we had a couple of fun years during the Rex Ryan time. Um, so, so that's for, for baseball and, and football now for basketball, I grew up. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm 37. And so when I was really loving the game, you know, really got into like the NBA, it was, it was a really great time to love the NBA because you had the Bulls, you know, right in their dynasty. Um, But I ended up being a big time Orlando Magic fan as a little kid. I played rec basketball. My dad was a coach one year and we got to pick our team at, at, at the little community draft night or whatever. And I picked the Orlando Magic. And I would, and I bought like Shaq and, and Penny Hardaway stuff. I was a huge fan and I lived in Orlando for a long time later as an adult and me and Cameron from relevant, I've gone to countless magic games. I still love the Orlando magic, which are kind of struggling, uh, for hockey. I, I, have kind of adopted the caps because they're again, kind of the, the local team. So those are the, kind of the four big ones. Um, it's kind of all over the place regionally. They're all like East coast teams, but, uh, th- those are the four main ones.
0: Very cool. Now I know that you're not really an avid card collector today yeah. but I know that you did at one point collect. Can you give us a little picture of that time and that era when you were collecting cards?
2: Yeah, so I started collecting I mean honestly as young as I can remember. I so me and both both me and my brother played little league baseball. uh, uh, And and we're all, I mean, every Saturday during the summer growing up was at the ball field, you know? So at that time, you know, this is kind of early nineties card collecting was, was a big deal. It was just something that kind of kids did. And it was a cool, like, I think the cool thing about card collecting then especially kind of pre internet was it was a way to kind of brush up on players and stats. Like now kids, like I have a seven year old son. And he always wants to look at my phone to like look up sports scores and stats. But when we were kids, it was either you had the newspaper or you could collect cards and they would have all these kind of interesting stats on the back. And and it was just kind of cool uh, to, to have your own collection and kind of trade with your friends. The other cool thing, one of the reasons I kind of got into it when I was a kid was I liked going to the and and these are kind of relics of the past they might still exist but the baseball card shop like i loved going there um, you know they not only like later in life i kind of got as i got older i was into like comic books a little bit but and, and those stores those kind of memorabilia stores kind of transitioned to that a little but like there was nothing more fun on a saturday afternoon than talking your parents into driving you to the, to the card store because that was really the only ability that, that we had at the time to kind of know the value of cards too. Like that was sort of the R&D. And so yeah, yeah, it was a blast, man. That was, and all, all my friends did it. And so it was really fun to kind of, you know, get together and kind of chop it up about, about our card collections.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, it was either Beckett Magazine was the price guide that everybody tracked down or going to that card shop was something that that we all tried to do. Actually, I, as one of my side hustles, just opened up a card shop in our area. And so oh, nice. we've got kind of a, a pop-up card shop within one of the other uh, shops within our town. So it, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that is one of those, those foundational things. You know, that one of the things that I love now about sports cards is how they have a tendency to connect us to our past. And I I think about some of the cards that I have today that I get out and I look back on and and I can just almost picture myself sitting in my room trading with my friends doing those types of things and those players still bring, you know, nostalgia to me and bring back some of those memories. And so I thought maybe we could dig in a little bit to that era for you that you had just referenced. You mentioned Shaq, you mentioned Penny. What were some of those other favorite players and favorite cards that, that you had from when you were collecting?
2: Yeah, so, I, so for the basketball end, and I showed you this before we started, I have, I think, I think it's like 14 different Shaq rookie cards. Okay. Uh, uh, because Shaq was my favorite player uh, for Orlando. But on the baseball side, my brother was a big King Griffey Jr. fan. At the time i mean still i think his rookie card is probably one of the most valuable cards of the contemporary era it's sort of it, it, i mean i'm no expert but i mean for my understanding that's sort of like uh the you know one of the crown jewels of the early nineties. Yeah. His,
0: his upper deck rookie is, is still one of the ones that that people try to track
2: down. Yeah. It's like the Honus Wagner of our generation. I, I, you know, and so, so my brother really liked King Griffey Jr. So I felt like I couldn't like him. So at the, this is free steroids and all all the controversy, but I really like Barry Bonds and, uh, and for some reason, like Wade Boggs, I really liked I, a lot of the uh, Oral Hershiser, Nolan Ryan. I was just looking through, I, dude, right before we started recording, I was telling you, I went into my attic and just grabbed a handful of cards because I have boxes of them. The other thing was it was anyone that was on the dream team. At that point, the like Barcelona, the original dream team, I was right in kind of the prime time for that. So anyone on the dream team, it was cool to get one of those cards.
0: Yeah, you can see the people at home can't see, but right behind me on my wall, I've got the Jordan Dream Team Wall Stickum that yeah. they made, and so it, I'm still rocking the Dream Team.
2: I have a a Larry Bird Magic Johnson uh, autographed uh, kind of portrait beh- behind me. Yeah, that was. It, it's been really fun too. It, and the other thing that kind of made me want to bust out some of my old card collections was I've been uh, I've. I'm on, I'm rewatching the last dance. It was just such a fun time for particularly the NBA, but baseball too. Like, I feel like baseball in the culture has, it's kind of cultural relevance has sort of declined a little bit as one of the major sports. Um, But, but I mean, this was, this was, Prior to, you know, any sort of like steroid scandals or, you know, there was that strike one year, but even that it bounced back pretty strong. And it was really kind of the glory. Every kid knew all the famous baseball players, you know? So um, yeah, it was just a fun time to get in. I, Everyone probably says that about their gender. I'm sure, like kids today, will be like, Well wow, man! I, LeBron and and D Wade and, and and you know Kobe." But I really do feel like we were right in a prime time to be into collecting sports memorabilia.
0: Yeah, and you were just you know you were just talking about it, and we were we were hitting on it before we started recording. But you kind of had mentioned that you hadn't looked at some of these cards for years and years. Yeah. But you could hear the excitement in your voice about thinking back to when you were actively collecting these and you can hear that, that connection to those memories. What do you think it is about cards like this that create that connection?
2: I think, I think honestly, it's, it's sort of like the childhood nostalgia thing, you know? Like it's, it's when you find like your old baseball glove in the at you know pull it out of the closet or you know maybe look at pictures from like little league for anyone that was involved in in like sports as a kid i feel like there was this real um you know sense of community like it was so impactful as like a human as a person to be involved with organized sports at the time And, you know, you learn so much whether, you know, playing with a team and kind of just learning the rules. And there was something about, and I, and I see this in my son now who's getting into, he just got, this is his first year playing fantasy football we're kind of teaching him the ropes. But I think it's something about when you're introduced to sports and particularly like kind of the charm and design of cool looking cards, it, as a kid, it makes the world seem really big. It's like, oh, man, there are these guys that are in ballparks. That I can't even imagine how big they are. And, man, look how cool these, these cards are, these photos. And, you know, it, it, it kind of gives you a sense of kind of the magic in, in, in the world, you know, that it's hard to replicate that later in life. And I think when you look back on them, you – especially cards that you had when you were a kid – it's hard not to see them through the eyes of 11 year old, you not 30 you know, like right. if I were to see a, a contemporary card of, you know, like Joel Embiid or something, we think, Oh, that's cool. It's, uh, that he's a great player, but I see it through my adult eyes. When I look back at some of the cards that that I just pulled out of my attic, you know, I'm, I got a David Robinson card here and it's like, I see that David Robinson card like I did when I was 11, you know?
0: Yeah. I think there's something to that. I think there's, When you're a kid, and even as an adult, the cards can sometimes provide a tangible connection to the game and to some of those players that you otherwise wouldn't have. And then now as we think back about some of these cards we had as a kid, it provides that connection to the past. And so, yeah, I think there's something to there. You had mentioned earlier about going to the card shops when you were younger and that the aspect of community that that brought. And, you know, much of your career has been spent working for an organization which created content that helped people find that intersection between faith and culture. And one of those reoccurring topics that continues to come up is our human need for connection and community. Yeah. And for many that community is one of the primary primary reasons why they collect today any do you have any thoughts on why that idea of community and being a part of a community of like-minded people is so powerful? I guess regardless of what community we're talking about.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I I think, you know, community is is not just how we kind of establish our values and kind of put our values into practice. Like, so if I value like hard work, right? it's one thing to just maintain that value but it's another thing to see it applied with other people and see how those relational dynamics kind of come together the other great thing particularly about communities that involve and i mean this could translate to like a workplace or a church or 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 any place but there's something special about a a team that is trying to accomplish a goal together is that like you know when when you're a kid particularly you know everyone in your life is in your life basically because of proximity. They're either related to you or they're the kid that lives down the street, you know, like, or you sit on the school bus. The cool thing about sports in particular in the community that it creates is it brings together people that might not otherwise know each other. And you all kind of come together for a common goal and it doesn't really – When, when you're on the, and this sounds super cliche, but, but I think it's true. Like when you're on the field or you're on the basketball court or, or tossing the football, everything else kind of fades away for just a little bit. And all that matters is the time you're spending with those people. And, and the crazy thing is, and again, not to be overly like sentimental or analytical, but like, I think kind of post COVID, everyone really kind of can look back and appreciate like, oh man, it's really great hanging out face to face with people. Like it's not bad doing the zoom thing. Like we've all kind of acclimated to that, but there's something cool about sitting in a dugout with a big mouthful of sunflower seeds and just kind of goofing around with your bud. And that's just how you want to spend your day. And, and and the cards are such a relic of that, you know, like e- even, even if they, they, and a lot of cards probably have maintained a lot of monetary value, but the sentiment of value it is irreplaceable because you look back at it and you know i'm looking at these like sleeves that when i was a kid i put cards in it's like dude i don't know if anyone's touched this plastic sleeve in this card since i did when i was 11 years old and i and it's not just the it's not just oh this is a cool thing to look back on but it's like i remember taking these on the school bus and like hey dude check this out and you're kind of it's the shared experience that like i said especially kind of post COVID. I think we've really come to appreciate in in new interesting ways, you know.
0: Now, was there anything in particular that led you to stop collecting?
2: I not there wasn't like any kind of one event. It's like I think around probably like sixth grade, maybe. Like, well, one, I kind of moved away from just playing. I, I played like a bunch of sports and I kind of solely started playing basketball. So my kind of interest in baseball started to kind of wane. And baseball was still like the king of the mountain when it came to sports cards collecting. So I think that had something to do with it. And then there were just like other things that kind of came along. Like it sounds lame now, but like pogs or whatever, you know, other little kind of. And then I just kind of over time just unfortunately kind of lost interest in I mean i never I never would throw them out or anything like that, but it wasn't as big of a part of my life and I kind of got more into things like music and movies and things girls yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I found other ways to spend my time than going to the, the card shop um but uh yeah it wasn't any one thing and I have nothing but fondness for them and I think they're still really cool it's just you know kind of interest and 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 value shift a little you know
0: yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's a story that that a lot of people our age have. And it's one of those things that, um, like I had mentioned before, there's a, a growing number of people who collected as kids that are now getting back into it. And I always am curious to understand why and what's brought them back. And, and in, in your situation, I'm curious to talk about the enjoyment that you had as a kid and and also hear from people that haven't come back into the hobby yet. So So I really appreciate that is there anything that you collect today or do you have something else that you hang on to that kind of serves as that tangible item or that tangible artifact for you?
2: Oh man, it's, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Like if this is a weird scenario, but like if my house was on fire, you know, just a thought experiment and you had to take one thing out. Like I don't really have too many kind of, I mean, I have a guitar, but that's easily replaceable. I don't really have too much, you know, sentimentality around that. You know, there there isn't. I mean, I like cool. Like, I will say this. Uh, and the, the, when I was watching like the Last Dance, like the the Bulls documentary, um, I, I I was so enthralled by the whole thing, and it brought me back. I did buy a pair of Jordan ones uh, okay. shoes that uh, you, you know. They, I guess they have a little bit uh, more practicality because you actually wear them other than the cars and kind of sit in your your desk or whatever. But uh, I I so I bought some cool shoes that um, you know, have some sort of sentimental attachment, but, but nothing, nothing kind of replaced the, the sheer volume uh, of things that I owned, but like sports guards do. Cool.
0: Cool. Well, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking, I've been asking you all the questions. Do you have any, any questions yeah. for me?
2: I do. So, so, you know, I was looking through all, all of my cards and I remember as a, so these are, these are all, you know, these are all like Shaq rookie cards. I remember as a kid thinking these are going to be worth, and then I have, I also have my dad's collection from when he was a kid, which were all baseball and they're all from like the sixties and seventies. And I mean, they're like old flimsy cardboard, they're old school, you know, they yep. sat in his parents' attic. So when I was a kid, I was like, dude, when I grow up, if I play my cards right, <laughs> they are going to be worth a fortune. What is, in terms of like the monetary value of, of some of the stuff that, that we used to collect, it, do, do a lot of the stuff kind of ma- still maintain their value? There is
0: still value for some of them. A lot of them aren't worth what they were when we were kids. Yeah. Um, but some of the superstars, the Jordans are going to still have value. And there's Jordans that, you know, they're worth anywhere from a dollar to a couple hundred dollars, depending on on what you have. You know, some the Jordan rookie is still through the roof as yeah. as one of the the most sought after cards. Shaq has had a a pretty good resurgence over the last um, year or so. Um, he his his values have started to go back up, and his rookies can range anywhere from a couple bucks to a um, hundred or more for some of the parallels. Like I, I saw in what you flashed, one of the tops rookie cards and there's a gold parallel on there that this summer was selling for you know a hundred dollars or more um for parts of that yeah there's one with the whole name and and team name at the bottom were gold as well but yeah that was the one i was talking about and so you know but those are still anywhere from you know, 10 to $15 for a couple of those that, that you showed me. Yeah. And those vintage cards from the the 60s, for sure, depending on who it is and what condition yeah. it's in, some of those can still be worth hundreds or a, a couple thousand dollars too, depending on on who it is.
2: Who who are the, so when I was a kid, it was like Tops was sort of, they were like the working man's, you know, and had upper deck, which they cost a little bit more. And then we had Fleer and like Flare Ultra, I yep. think. Fleer
0: Worldwatch Ultra, Ultra yep, yeah. and Flare, if, yep.
2: If you had those, those were like, you know, they came in that cool foil pack. What Are those brands still around? Are those still the ones like that that people are seeking after? Who's the big players in the game right now?
0: Yeah, so that was one of the big things that has changed since we were kids that instead of there being like five or six or seven different brands competing there's now things are consolidated to where the sports leagues have given exclusive rights to the manufacturers. Okay. So tops is still around and they have the exclusive rights to baseball cards
2: Okay. to use the
0: player names and logos and team, you know, the full, full licensed product. Upper deck is still around, but they only produce hockey. Okay. And then there's a company called Panini who has the rights for NBA and um, NFL. Now, Panini owns the trademarks to a lot of those old brands, so Score yes. and um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, Playoff, Don Donruss, yeah. some of those types of names. Panini owns the trademark to those, so they still create the cards with those brand names on them, yeah. but they're all owned by one one company. And so that's a little bit of a, they have kind of a monopoly for their sport today yeah so they might still release five or six different sets but it's all just brands under the
2: same parent company so the the other thing because i like i said i have a seven-year-old who's a sports fanatic particularly nfl i mean he he, he'll watch he'll watch anything but he loves the nfl are you 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 mentioned you you have a a retail shop right yep yep so do you see a lot of younger people kind of being introduced to the hobby I see, I've seen that happen more and
0: more over the last couple of years. There was a a good period of time where people were really worried that kids aren't collecting these days. You know, there's, there's no products for kids. There's not as many kids. It's not like when we were younger and it seemed like every kid on the street collected cards. And I would say it's not near as popular as it was then, but there's still a good mix of, of younger kids collecting. Um, The, the, presence of things like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and some of these other like games, magic, yeah. you know, the yeah. the card game and that type of stuff has probably pulled a little bit of that interest away as well as so much digital entertainment. Yeah. Um, but there are still kids who are collecting. If you the national convention and the national card shows, you'll still see a good number of of families there with kids. But it's definitely not to the same level as it was when we were young.
2: So so as someone who is is a pretty avid collector, still, what are what are if you had to give me your three like most cherished, it doesn't have to be the most valuable, but the three that you personally most cherish in terms of your collection, what would they be?
0: Yeah. So the first one that I always I always go to was a 1986 Topps Thad Bosley card. Okay. He, he was an outfielder for the Cubs and he was the top card of the first pack that I ever bought. Oh, I was wow. just getting into cards, just getting into being a fan of baseball and I knew I, he was a Cub and that's all that mattered to me. Yeah. And yeah. so I still anchor back to that first year of collecting and that first card that I ever got out of a pack. And so that is one that, that I think I would, I would anchor back to um, one of the other ones that's been really fun for me recently was earlier this year, I got a 1969 Nolan Ryan card, which was his second year. Yeah. Um, and it was the last card I needed to complete a 1969 complete set. Oh, wow. And so um, it's, it's still probably worth $100 or so, but it being one of my favorite players, his second card, completing that old vintage set, that one stands out to me um to be to be one of my favorites. And then I think the the last one that I would point to is is not necessarily a single card, but I've got a couple of the binder pages worth of Jordan cards from when I was oh, younger. Wow. And also growing up in that sweet spot of the first three Pete, Jordan was one of my favorite players grew up in yeah. central Illinois. So the bulls were, you know, first and foremost, one of the, the favorite teams that I had, and it took a lot of wheeling and dealing to get some of those Jordan cards that I've still got. And so yeah. I think back to those, those days trading cards with friends and trying to get those uh, missing Jordans that I didn't have from, from that uh, several year run, I'd say those couple pages of Jordans stand out to be pretty meaningful to me too.
2: Yeah, that that's awesome, man. Yeah, those. Yeah, I mean Jordan. It, it well, especially you have the regional connection too. It, you know, he's kind of had. I feel like the last dance has given a little bit of a cultural resurgence. I mean, he's always been like Michael Jordan, but yeah, I mean, there's just something. You know, what one one other you know anecdote I was thinking about. I went to the high school I went to. It was a, it was a kind of a smaller Christian school, and our area. Uh, kind of Hampton Roads area has put out a lot of athletes. You know, we've had uh, David Wright, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, you know, Allen Iverson, Michael Vick are are all from here, Alonzo Mourning. But the school I went to was a big baseball school. At at the time, the the baseball team had won like 12 state championships. And so, um, like B.J. Upton uh, was, you know, went to our school and was drafted right out of there. But a lot of guys would come to our school to try to make the baseball team because they knew scouts would come. And mm-hmm. I, there was a guy who, who I went to school with who ended up getting drafted. He was in the minor leagues for a while and ended up playing some middle relief in um, uh, the Rangers, kind of kicked around for a while. But anyway, his father was so proud, not just of his son kind of making the big leagues, but I remember distinctly of when his baseball card came out. Mm-hmm. And he would drive around to, you know, any of the places where any of our parents worked you know, just to show him, hey, this is my son and he's on a baseball card. And I just remember it, it you know, it, it was a big deal that he got drafted. It was a big deal he got to play in the major league. It was a big deal, you know, you get to see him on TV every once in a while. But the big deal is like, look, he's on a baseball card and this is for look, who knows what's gonna happen career wise, you know? A baseball card is forever. You know right. what I mean, like this is printed on ink and paper, man, and it was a meaningful thing. And I think that I, I still think about that sometimes and just how uh, what a unique time sort of in sports, but also sort of culturally where we created these relics that were really special. And that, like you said, like it's, you know, the one that you would put up right there with like Michael Jordan and some of your rare cards. Is one that might not have the monetary value, but it's got sentimental value. That's what I think is really cool about looking back at this stuff. Is like, yeah, you, you know, the prices and and collector, you know, sort of the commodities are going to kind of fluctuate. But man, cards that are meaningful to you as a person, it, it there's something special about that, and, and and that that's really cool, man. And and it's been cool reflecting on it and kind of looking through some of the old the old stuff I, that meant a lot to me as a kid, you know.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for taking a few minutes to join me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, But before we go, what are some of the projects that you're working on right now? And if you wanted to talk a little bit about that and let people know where they can follow along and follow you.
2: Yeah. So I still do the relevant podcast. We do two a week. So people can check that out wherever they get their podcasts. I also do a podcast that's weekly called List It, where me and a guest uh, rank and list things. It's, in pop culture, the idea was like to create a podcast where we could be- debate about things that had no stakes. It just uh-huh. was a little relief from all the argumentative sort of uh, dialogue that happens today. And th- another one is sort of like this um, I've just finished, I just posted episode three, um, uh, but it's sort of a true crime sort of mystery podcast about disappearances in national parks it's called Hiding Something. But all of those are, are wherever you get your pods. So, Oh, yeah, people check them out. It'd be great. But uh, but yeah, man, this was fun. I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, no
0: problem. And I would fully endorse all three of those shows. I, oh, am, thanks, uh, uh, I am a listener as well. And so I encourage all of you guys to check those shows out as well.
2: Well, Mike, I appreciate it, man. This was a blast.
0: Yeah, thanks again, Jesse. I really appreciate it.